internet bring us honor, wealth, and good familiars. My name is Matthew Kroll. And I expel you. My name is Shahir Dowd. And this is the only podcast about movies, specifically the family film Hereditary. <laughs> yeah, summer, summer movie of the year. You know, take your kids, take yeah. your family, take yeah. your sisters, brothers, aunts, grandmothers. Definitely your grandma. Also, you should probably listen to Salisbury Hill on the way to the theater. I don't know what Salisbury Hill is. No? No, what would I know that from? Uh, the Shining trailer where they recut it to Salisbury oh, Hill. Okay. Anyway, we're <laughs> not going to just have you and I's little family we're talk bringing, about this We're moment. bringing our extended family that back right. in. Yes. Stephen Roberts, welcome back to the podcast. We're so excited to have you back, buddy. Hey, guys, welcome back. Oh, well, thank you for having me back. No, you, well, yeah. I like yeah. that you welcomed us. Yeah. I like that we're all very welcoming. <laughs> yes, glad to be here. Uh, it's been a while, but super excited to talk about this film. It's, uh, as you guys said, a feel-good movie. A feel-good movie. the whole family can enjoy it. <laughs> I yeah. think so. I yeah. really, I agree. The last time Stephen Roberts was on the show was for our episode on Barry, Vikram yes. Gandhi's film mm -hmm. on uh, Barack Obama. Uh, about Barack Obama. So there's Obama. a lot of similarities here. Yeah, yeah I can see it. Of, yeah. I was, I was so excited, it. though, because I've been telling you for a little bit, hey, I really want you to come back on the podcast. We really enjoyed that conversation. And so I was so excited when you reached back and you were like, I need to talk about this movie. Yeah, I saw it this weekend and I was like, oh my God. Like, <laughs> I'm not a big movies person. Sorry for everyone. On the, <laughs> Wait on a minute. The, yeah, everyone on the podcast and the listeners. But I saw this film over the weekend and I was like, oh my God, I need to talk about this. And this is all I really want to talk about for the next week. Here's the deal. I love having people that are self-proclaimed not movies people mm -hmm. come on and talk about a film that they're passionate about one way or the other because you get you get sort of um, conversation points that don't normally happen with just, you know, assholes like Shahir yeah, and I yeah. that like see literally everything. And it's just it's it's very, very cool. So I'm psyched to see what what got you what got you so psyched. Sounds good. It's like uh, I'm super excited to get into it. I don't want to spoil it, but uh, you guys will love it. I hope you do. Nice. And, and just to clarify as well for people listening in, Stephen is the video uh, video director at MTV News. Yeah, director of video for MTV News. I kind of oversee um, logistics, oversee creative direction, creative graphics. Graphics, created studio. Um, give but, the but that must anything. mean you must have an interest in movies, obviously. And you've been on the podcast before for that reason. Uh, no, I think I have more of an interest in the news part of things. Oh, yeah. really? Yeah, I like telling this, uh, news stories and right. being able to tell culture and different things like that. That's what really appeals to me. The movie side, yes, you get it because you're in editing and this video involved. But I'm more, if I had to be a news uh, journalist and just a writer, yeah. I'd be super happy with that, too. Yeah, oh, the, there the, you go. The craft is similar, yeah, uh, very similar. in certain regards. Mm -hmm. uh, uh, but 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 perhaps the way the stories are told is very different. <laughs> um, and please, uh, listeners, uh, uh, please go back to listen to that episode of on Barry uh, with Vic, uh, Vikram Gandhi's film on yes. Netflix. It's actually, uh, I had an interesting experience, which is that I met Vikram Gandhi. Awesome. This year, of course uh, you did. I had a meeting with him, mm -hmm. of and, I, and, I, and, <laughs> and I had to like, and like, it just came up in topic that I talked about his own. And you know, I, I went back and listened to that episode uh, because I was like, oh, I hope I didn't say anything bad. But no, we, I, if you recall, I really really liked that film. Yeah. So it was Same kind here. of, it wasn't, it wasn't a big deal. I mean, I, 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 I hope that if I met someone whose film I didn't enjoy, I would be able to say it in a tasteful way. We've yeah. done that before. If it come, if it came up, but it was one of those fortunate experiences where I got to meet someone whose film I really, really liked. So, um, uh, please go back and listen to that. And also, uh, get in touch with us. If you, uh, have questions for us, um, at only at gmail.com or hit us up on Twitter at only as people have been doing this week. Matt, what are some of the tweets people have been talking about in relation to, I think our psychokinesis and did pull review in some respect. <laughs> uh, well, let's see. We have here, I'm just going to scroll on down. Uh, we have uh, from Jonathan the Blade. He says, "Ooh, I like the beginning of this. Yeah. this the beginning of this is great." Uh, he, he says, "Matt is right." What? And that's the whole tweet. No, yeah. that, no, no. Uh, he goes, "The iconography uh, may be the most important element uh, to the definition of what a superhero is." As last week's uh, episode on Psychokinesis, the film on Netflix, we talked about what makes a superhero movie a superhero movie. So he's referencing that. He goes, "That's why both costume vigilante and uniformed gods are equally categorized as superheroes." He continues, "It's arguable that none of the X-Men films are superhero movies. I don't know if I agree with that. Some of them, depending. Uh, and then uh, I think that Neo is actually closer to the definition of a superhero. Then he asks, is Goku from Dragon Ball Z a superhero? Is there a difference between a comic book uh, film and a superhero film? Is Crouching Trigger Hidden Dragon one? 
Wait, by his own definition, X Men, Goku, and all of those guys are superheroes. So, well, just going maybe. back to going back to that conversation that we had last week, yeah. we we were trying to basically trying to figure out the the taxonomy of what makes the superhero genre the superhero genre. Mm-hmm. So, how do you identify is this a superhero movie? Is it not? And I think one of the points of difference that Matt and I had uh, was that I think the power fantasy is kind of weighted. More importantly, but Matt, you think that the iconography of the costume and and you know the 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 mythos of the superhero is the, more important. The symbol of what the hero is doing, whether that symbol be what they're actually wearing, an actual icon, or sort of the message that 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 person is trying to get out in the world, is also part of it. I feel like power fantasy mm-hmm. uh, could even, be if it's superhero or things, not, yeah. but like almost every hero's journey is power fantasy. Almost every sort of story where there's a main character that has you know um, it, it, that can do something that. I can't do is yeah. a power fantasy depending on what it is. So there's a lot of talk like that. This is interesting because the X-Men films, uh, it, it the X-Men films like first class maybe isn't, but I would say anytime they slap on, even if you go back to the early two thousands and the, in the, the, the black film. leather or yeah. whatever like that, I feel like you're starting to get into costumes and when the X-Men come out as a unit, of mutants, mm-hmm. you know, whatever, then they have become a symbol for mutant kind and for humankind in a different way. Uh, I think by definition, by your definition, and, yeah. and, I, yeah. and I don't disagree with your definition, mm-hmm. by the way. I just, the thing, I think the reason I uh, wanted to suggest that it might be slightly different is that Psychokinesis, the main character, I believe, is a superhero, but doesn't wear a costume at all. But he also <laughs> has no iconography. He has no meaning to what he's doing other than just sort of helping his daughter. Yeah. Like, and that's why I felt like it was, it's a movie with superpowers. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, like- yeah, I haven't seen uh, the movie, but if you look at Hitch, he's not necessarily a superhero. He has powers. Oh, you mean oh, Hancock? Hancock. Hancock. Yeah. Well, although <laughs> Hitch, was Hitch, 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 Hitch is a bit more of a superhero. <laughs> yeah. But with Hancock, uh, you can look at the same thing where he had the power, but there was nothing really. Well, Matt made a good point about that yeah. in that in that episode, I think, which which is really relevant. Oh, do you want me to do it again? Yeah. Uh, okay. I got to remember what my good point was. But what I would say right now, and maybe it's the same, maybe yeah. it's different. I flip flop yeah. uh, is uh, the, in the beginning of the film or sorry, the, the, the world in which that takes place, mm-hmm. Hancock himself, even though we don't really see it uh, much or at all in the film, it's been a long time since yeah, I've seen yeah. it. Same here. He used to wear a suit. He uh, used to be this icon and this beacon. Okay. And now he like has, Jayden. and then <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> he has fallen from yeah. grace. Uh, and then the third act of that movie is a mess. Um, but, but, so th- there's interesting questions. Fair, fair. Uh, Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon, I have to say. Uh, and I, I and, and uh, Jonathan and I kind of went back and forth a little about this. I love uh, tweeting with Jonathan, by the way. He's very thoughtful. He also hosts his own reviews on YouTube. So jo- look up Jonathan Blade for uh, his work. Um, they're very, very thoughtful reviews. Um, uh, the, thing, <laughs> the, 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 the point about Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon is Crouching Tiger, Hidden Dragon comes from a long tradition of Wuxia films, yeah. which, have a, which have a long uh, story tradition of magic and sorcery, and that's why people can fly and Wuxia films, and um, I think that is a, a, a sort of an older tradition than the any relevant superhero film that you could think of. Yeah, and then Dragon Ball Z, that's a, I don't know. I, it's, I, it's, I, I haven't watched it in so long. As a fan of it, I think Goku counts as a superhero. Does he, he have an eye? Well, he has a symbol that yeah, he, his he has, He's based on um, a Chinese character, a Chinese <laughs> god, and Chinese mythology, but in terms of like that actual show, his whole uh, ethos is like saving the world. Yeah. And the idea that if you try hard enough, you can do anything you put your mind to and work towards it and does does he also sort of like because he has a son at one he has a son as well and i think a bit of goku is also trying to be the strongest okay and i think i think that kind of mixes into the fact that he wants to protect others by being the strongest i think what this points to as well is that that the superhero uh um fantasy is pervasive in all cultures in yeah. different ways, and, yeah. it, and it comes yes. up in different ways, mm-hmm. and it means different things to different people. Good Very point. True. So yeah. I think I think it's that that's worth noting is that uh, in some way or another the superhero tradition. You know, you could even say that the 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 superhero traditions that we have now, particularly like if you look at a film like The Matrix, you know, draws from the Wuxia tradition, mm-hmm. um, and you could you know it probably draws from all sorts of different places as well. So yeah, yeah. so Agreed. I think it's a it's a it's a very rich topic and one we should explore probably in some detail. What did Jacob? 
what's ever have to say about it? Uh, Jacob just wanted to mention, because I think we were kind of going back and forth about like, well, how, once we get to the boundaries of the genre, what are films that step outside the genre? What are films that also um, change our understanding of the genre? And I think one of the things I was trying to get at, and I think uh, we both agreed on, was that the genres are fluid and they change and definitions change. And while, you know, in Psychokinesis, you might not have a suit, that does, in my opinion, it doesn't necessarily mean it's not a superhero film, mm-hmm. but the, you know, the, I actually t- agree with your point as well. So I think the, it's it's fluid. And he wanted to point out the film Chronicle, which I haven't seen. I own a Blu-ray of Chronicle, which I've owned because I got it like in a $5 bargain basement Ooh. bin and I'd heard it was good. Uh, but but I haven't cracked it open yet. Really? John, uh, Jacob says it's excellent. I, I've heard it's excellent. It's a good, solid movie. Yeah. It's what I wanted the, fa- uh, the Fantastic, Fantastic Four, Four movie to be, but then uh, we all okay. know yeah. how that same director, yeah. Jonathan Trank. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I'm uh, I'm excited to crack that open. It's uh, finally, and you know, uh, just on uh, Jacob's prompting. I'll be curious to see if you know, because he says it's this kind of a superhero movie, and I I I think uh, it. God, it's been so long again. I would still say it is not as a movie with superpowers, mm-hmm. um, but but for the exact same reason as Psychokinesis. Yeah. Uh, down to slight spoiler alert for Chronicle. It doesn't really change anything for the viewing experience here or mm-hmm. anybody who hasn't seen it. Uh, the way the powers are distributed is strikingly similar to the way in Psychokinesis the power is is given to our hero. Okay. Um, anyway, uh, and then we had one more. This is going to transition us right back into our film that we're going to be talking about today. Uh, we have um, uh, Movies Film Flicks uh, tweeted at us, it's going to be a terrible... Uh, it's going to be terrible for the treehouse business, and, and that is referencing <laughs> uh, a little bit of back and forth. Uh, movies, flicks, and films. Uh, movies, films, and flicks are a great podcast, by the way. Uh, I think the main host of that has been uh, sort of fe- kind of building up a little bit of notoriety for like writing. Uh, data analysis of like silly movies. So, ah. he, so for example, he's done a da, uh, uh, he's done an estimation of how far the merman in Cabin in the Woods would have had to have crawled in order to kill the final guy at the end of the movie. Mm. <laughs> he's done he's done all sorts of like numbers games with with uh, with things like that, and they're great. They're wonderful to read. Um, and uh, he and I have been talking a little bit back and forth. Hopefully, we get him on the podcast at some point. Um, and he was, uh, I think, he just exclaimed how great Hereditary was and wanted to chat about it so I jumped in as I do I am the troll on Twitter that just jumps in on people's <laughs> conversations but I try to be positive like I only jump in on conversations where I think I have po- something positive to contribute sure um, sure so yes uh, we really enjoy <laughs> I really enjoy the Twitter conversation nine times out of ten if you're on Twitter talking to us uh, it's me um, so please keep tweeting because otherwise I'll have nothing to do and I'll be very lonely on Twitter but for that 10% it yeah. could be me it could we be me. both have the password <laughs> and I'll 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 inject you, some, some you'll, you'll throw down. Yeah. yeah. Um, so uh, at OnlyMoviePod for our Twitter handle, and please email us in at OnlyMoviePodcast uh, only at gmail.com, and please remember to give us an iTunes review. That is right. The iTunes reviews are surprisingly helpful. Uh, we all know that not everyone has the ye old-fashioned iTunes account. We also know that actually doing it is a huge pain in the ass. Yeah. Uh, but if you could spare the between... Uh, two and 15 minutes it would take <laughs> to leave one. Uh, we would really appreciate it. So, gentlemen. Start your engines. Hereditary. Yes. Can you tell us what it's about, Matt? Oh, I, you know what? I'll do you one better. I don't know what it's about, but IMDb, <laughs> IMDb sure as hell does. Yeah. After the family matriarch passes away, a grieving family is haunted by tragic and disturbing occurrences and begin to unravel dark secrets. Ooh. Dark secrets. Very dark secrets. Very dark. Very, 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 very dark, dark secrets. Yeah. So I just want to say one thing first, which is Go that, you know, I don't uh, watch trailers. Um, so I went in completely blind. But what I did do to get myself a little amped uh, on this film, because I'd heard so many good things about it um, on the blogs that I read and, you know, the reviewers that I read as well, uh, was that I... Sort out all of Ari Aster's short films. Mm-hmm. Uh, the director, writer, director Ari Aster. Um, He's and, done some doobies. And yeah, uh, I, and the thing that got me hyped was watching his short films. If you can go and watch his short films, especially a film called The Strange Thing About the Johnsons, um, which is a fantastic. Did you watch it? I've seen, yeah. Yeah, a creepy, um, sort of very unsettling film about uh, a family with a disturbing secret, uh, which I, I don't think I'll reveal. No, do not. Yeah, Absolutely yeah. do not. Um, but then I went I went through his entire back catalog, and it's, inter- it's, it's interesting. I think this is actually a better way than watching the trailer because it just got me excited about this person as a, as a storyteller, then an, and, and then I was just excited to see what they were going to do. Um, and that was sort of an interesting way in for me. How 
about you guys? Do you guys watch the trailer? Or? Um, it's funny. Uh, going back to everything you just said, my editor, as I was on the way here, he was like, hey, you should really check out that movie. Had you watched a director um, <laughs> other movies? And I was like, no, honestly, no. Like, I kind of went into this a bit blind. Yeah. The thing that sold me on this movie was our movies editor, uh, Crystal Bell at MTV News, mm-hmm. uh, movies and TV editor. She said, hey, this is supposed to be the scariest movie in forever. Yeah. And if there's one thing I like, I like really scary things. I like things that, like, Basically, excuse my language, fuck with your brain. Yeah. yeah. And so I, I was like, oh, I want to see that. I yeah. want to know what's happening. I want to know what's going on. And she was like, no, 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 it's really scary. And I was like, yes, yes, I really want to see it. <laughs> and so I kind of went into it a bit blind, just wanted to be scared out of scared shitless, essentially. Yeah. And I wasn't quite that, and I'll get to it, but I fell in love with this movie. Yeah. 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 Okay. Well, and, and there's oh. an interesting thing that's happened, which is that this movie has a D plus cinema score and is scoring very lowly, uh, very low with audiences. Really? Uh, really highly with critics, what the but really low with audiences. That's, I'm curious to hear yeah. why. Yeah. And so yeah. we, and I think we're going to have to talk about that in some, uh, interesting. Yeah. But Matt, uh, do you want to go first or do Steven, do you want to jump in um, with, with your thoughts on the film? Uh, let's, uh, guess first. Guess yeah. first. I thought the film was phenomenal. And I think one of the things that really jumped out to me is something that Matt pointed out early on was the fact that I go, I'm not a movies person and there's something that really jumped out to me about this movie and it played on the idea of mythology mm-hmm. and that was kind of laid out very early on in the movie sorry if that's a minor small spoiler but that was something that immediately watching I was like oh I want to see where this is going even from the very beginning the opening scene just looking at that and then hearing uh, the thread of mythology within it I was like oh I see where this is going right and so I was with it every step of the way and I think I can see why the cinema score might have been a bit low because it wasn't quote unquote horror yeah and it wasn't quote unquote um uh scary movie right but just kind of the mythology and the way that that was weaved and this world was created i thought that was phenomenal and like as a kid i grew up reading mythology that was like my one thing that i just really loved i love comic books as well and they kind of all play on a similar theme where you're kind of being able to introduce this world and like kind of tell the different rules of this world, who breaks the rules of this world, how it all works. And I just loved that growing up. Honestly, in college, if I knew I could make money for it, I would have majored in mythology. Right. So that was something that really jumped into me. I know that I would probably shock most of my friends, but this is just like <laughs> one of the things that I always grew up loving, whether it was Hercules, Apollo. I love like Norse mythology, um, Japanese mythology, uh, Chinese mythology. That was just something that really jumped out to me. And I think looking at it now, I love telling stories and being able to craft tales. Right. So that was something I really loved. So, from the very jump of this movie, yeah. I was like, oh, this is amazing. And then it's funny because as you're watching this movie, you kind of forget that, but it's in the back of your head as you're watching. And then I think you're really rewarded and paid off in the end of the film. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, oh, I love this. Yeah. Everything about this. And it makes me want to go back and watch it again. I've only been able to watch it once, but now I would love to go back and watch it and just kind of see how it's being weaved throughout the film. But uh, we'll get into some spoilers later on. But that was just one thing that really jumped out to me. Yeah. So suffice to say, you loved it. I loved every yeah. second. Yeah. Of it. yeah. Nice. Matt, how about yourself? Uh, I liked it a lot. Uh, I don't know if I have the 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 super love that you do for it, Stephen. Yeah. The the the. So first, first, I'll just sort of get into the stuff that I really liked. Um, it was legitimately scary, and it did actually have. It, very rarely does a scary film also resonate so emotionally with its audience. Yeah. I've been scared before, but like even if, if I'm watching like The Conjuring or any of the sort of newer wave, newer wave or even back to the slasher films like, mm-hmm. a, you know, Friday the 13th, Halloween, whatever, I don't actually care about the people I'm looking at. Mm-hmm. I don't want the heroes of the story to die, but at the same time, I'm never wondering what they're feeling or empathizing with how they feel. Mm-hmm. And this film does that. Yeah. Um, so uh, kudos entirely to the film for doing that. Um, I think both a strength, more a strength, but you could consider it a weakness is I, uh, depending on your definition of how a horror movie should play out. It does lean heavy on family drama, especially in the second act, it mm-hmm. almost turns into a different film. Yep. Yeah. And that's fine because I think it knocks you off your balance just enough for the third act to come, just fucking push you from the other side mm-hmm. and you just not be ready for what it's going to do. But I do remember watching it being emotionally invested. And then after like some normal stuff and normal family things kept going on for a bit, I was like, wait, what, where is this? Yeah. It, where is this going? And it was 
both being interested and a little bit like, okay, movie, like, let's just, let's figure it out. So there was that, um, the, the performances are phenomenal, uh, the entire way through, uh, Tony Collette and, um, Wolf, uh, I can never remember the kid. Alex Wolf, Alex Alex Wolf. Wolf yeah. um, naked, the naked brothers band. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Uh, just phenomenal. Um, the, the, and, and, and I loved kind of what you said as well, Stephen, the, the iconography and the sort of the, the mythology of what the supernatural stuff was yeah. to the point where I was after the fact here, I was like, you know, not that I want them to do this a 24, but this could just be the same exact universe as the witch. Ooh. Yeah, I think so. So like, I was like, that's. I mean, again, it's just sort of. <laughs> I don't think. I don't think they're thinking franchising. They are absolutely that not. But <laughs> I like it because things like witchcraft and things like that are are sort of. Uh, you can you can b- both in in uh, whatever the year it was in New England, seventeen whatever the hell yeah. in mm-hmm. the witch, and then this film, which takes place current day, but like a lot of the same sort of uh, feeling of ritual was mm. was the same, and I I liked that sort of. Um, that that's what that's that's the that's the style in cinema of witchcraft I I enjoy watching. And then the last thing I'll just say uh, is while I am sick of horror movies doing the slow push in on a scene ever so slowly, mm-hmm. like and, and a couple times in this film I was like, mm. I, it what totally made up for it for me in this is the wide shots that had something that was just hanging in the corner. And and it did that so many times, I, I never got sick of it. And even talking about it, I'm like, that sounds like something I'd get sick of. I did not. Yeah. Uh, it it was a striking. Uh, the, the composition of many shots were striking, and it, it it helped it overall have like a real emotional punch for me. So that's kind of where I stay. I feel like I'm like at eighty five percent of your exuberance gotcha. about the film. Makes sense. No, I totally love that as well. Uh, so I'll read out a couple of the audience reviews from uh, Rotten Tomatoes, and this is basically just to ex- exemplify the the split that is happening <laughs> with this movie slightly. Because again, it's a it's a ninety percent reviewed movie on mm-hmm. Rotten Tomatoes, but not with audiences. Um, one reviewer wrote, wrote, "What a waste of time and money! They had the PR machine working overtime. Not scary, barely a movie. If you skip one movie this year, this should be it." By far, another review: "By far the worst movie I've watched since The Village came out. It wasn't skin sc- scary in any way, shape, or form. Please take the film." and burn it. Um, Manny G says, terrible horror, horror film. Uh, not good. A disappointment. Critics should stop hyping movies. Um, and so on and so on and so on. What the shit? Yeah. yeah. I, and, and I think, the th- uh, I, I guess what I wanted to start with is that uh, earlier this year, we, we reviewed a film, uh, A Quiet Place. Yep. Which I absolutely flipped for. I loved it. Mm-hmm. I thought it was great. I like um, the sort of jump scare movies when they're done really well. Mm-hmm. And I think A Quiet Place is actually better uh, than most because it has a family, it has a drama behind it that I'm actually invested in, which is something similar to this. I think this takes, Hereditary for me takes that concept of basically feeding horror from drama and, and, and makes it. Uh, and ramps it up to a level that I don't think even A Quiet Place managed to achieve. And I really liked A Quiet Place. Uh, This was a phenomenal viewing experience for me. I absolutely loved this film. I loved it inside and out. Um, I I think I was enamored by the boldness and patience of this director, a first-time filmmaker, a very, very young filmmaker, Mm -hmm. but uh, a filmmaker who had the patience to not jump scare us whenever he, at every turn, but, but do things like the thing you're talking about, which is that give us an image that he just is willing to sit on for a long period of time and have people slowly discover the horror that's in that image yep. as it just sits still. And I think, um, you know, if he's, he's influenced by many, many filmmakers, but one of the filmmakers he's obviously talks about a lot and, and is in influenced in here is Roman Polanski, mm-hmm. who's obviously a contra- controversial figure. And we'll get to that yeah. whole mm-hmm. can of worms at some point, but you know, like Polanski is famous for being able to craft an image that, gives you horror without showing you what the horror is, but allows you to discover it. And I think that's what I really loved about this movie was that there, there was a sense of discovering the horror. Mm-hmm. It was in a way it was, it was part, a part mystery film, part horror, part, and mostly a family drama and a family drama that I was really, really invested in. I yeah. really, I really cared about these characters. Mm-hmm. I really cared what was happening to them. And I was really shocked and horrified when terrible things started happening to them. Yep. 
I loved as a screenplay the thing that you talked about, which is that it had such a deep, rich mythology of events that happened before the film began. Mm -hmm. And and the thing that was interesting about that is that none of those events that happened before the film began feel like they come out as exposition for the things were happening. They feel like they come out as natural references to things that are happening in front of the screen. So for example, 100%. a character comes out and she's dealing with trauma and you know, no, no spoiler here. It's Tony Collette is dealing with a lot of trauma mm -hmm. and the way she, you know, she, she is revealing the fact that she has a lot of repressed trauma, but by, and the way she does that is by telling her, her history, her mm -hmm. family history. And in no way does that feel expositional. It feels like she's actually just, this is the way, these are the things that she's been building up yeah. in her life mm -hmm. and is kind of like letting them out now. Yeah. And we only get the, the pieces of information that we absolutely need. And and those pieces of information are horrific. There this family has been through so, so much, much trauma. Yeah. Um so I love I love the the absolute patience of the direction. I love the the skillfulness of the script. Uh obviously the performances are astounding. I think you know there's uh, there is a hype machine behind this machine uh, behind this film, but it's entirely warranted. It is it is one, you know agree. to me it's a film that that um, uh, exceeds the hype, uh, and 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 you know I, I totally understand why. I will say this is the kind of horror movie that I like, which mm. is that it, it is uh, I'm invested in the story, and the horror comes second. And I can see if you were going out and you wanted The Conjuring or Insidious or mm. Saw or something like that and you didn't get it, that would be terrible. But there, there are some pretty, there are some images in this movie that will burn themselves into your, yeah, hey. into your life and, I, I, and will not leave you. I have a theory on why audiences are not connecting with this that normally would go out to see. Because we have been conditioned as American film-going audiences to think of horror movies in the last, I would even say, 10 years as one specific thing. That? And that is uh, a ton of jump scares, real creepy supernatural ghost brought on by family that didn't know what they were doing. And like the, uh, it just sort of like a very simplified version of what, uh, what an actual horror story is. And it's always in your face, in your face, mm -hmm. in your face, slow thing in your face. Yeah. And like, uh, pull, someone pulled through a doorway, the door slam, like, just like all very tropey. Mm -hmm. And it's almost this is, I'll, I'll get close to uh, sort of blaming even superhero movies at this point to sort of like, there's a formula and the movies do it mm -hmm. and then they know that they work for the audience. Like yeah. superhero movies, a lot of them have done that. Horror movies, I think, are just as guilty, but we don't actually notice because they're still a little, they're like not as popular and it gets to the point where Honestly, most horror films that I that I've seen that fall into like the supernatural horror films are the exact same, same thing. Yeah. And if they're not, they feel the same. Yeah. This movie in the first two thirds, the horror elements could all be psychological. Yeah. Or are real world horrors. Mm -hmm. Yeah. And that is something that most of the, the films uh, in, in this genre don't do. There's always like a beginning where like, and I'm, I'm going to use it as an example, but this, yeah. that's not quite the same mm -hmm. thing where like you see the clown in the sewer in the first 10 minutes. So yeah. you know some shit's up. Exactly. This movie makes you wonder the entire time what the point of the movie is. Mm -hmm. And if you are not someone who wants to go and do that, as I think a lot of people who just want to go get scared are, yeah, yeah. I could see this turning you off to that. And then, sorry, just uh, one more thing before I, uh, Shahir, before I did the, um, you, you mentioned how uh, exposition was given. One thing I really liked is the only moment that there was an info dump was when she was literally in therapy mm -hmm. or in a, in a help group. And the other times it was things like, and you see this in the trailer, so there's only a minor spoiler, um, she makes miniatures for a living. And you see the story of the past in a lot of the miniatures that yeah. she makes, mm -hmm. and that gives you so much exposition without doing it. So it's, I it's, it's amazing that those miniatures, they don't really ever explain how the miniatures work, what they're yeah. doing with them. You just kind of get it through the visual. And yeah. the visual is so powerful, you don't need anyone explaining yeah, exactly. it. And that's what, that's it. That faith in the audience thing that I think I really just uh, got me, you know? <laughs> Not paying off. Yeah. yeah. Something that Matt touched on. And I think uh, when I talk about horror films, it's more a psychological thriller. One thing I've always loved, and I'm not a big movies guy, was always European horror films or yep. foreign horror films. Mm -hmm. I think a lot of times with American, just in culture, there's a beginning, middle, and end, and at the end, the good guy wins or someone succeeds. I think one of my favorite movies ever is Funny Games. Yeah, okay. Michael Hannigan film. Yeah. Because uh, it's a remake of a German film, but I think something about that film was at 
no point in that film did it make you feel like the good guy was ever going to succeed. You just constantly knew there's this constant despair. And I think that's a very kind of almost American uh, just ethos that you're going to succeed. You're going to win. We talked about superheroes earlier that someone's going to save and come to uh, come and save the day. However, I feel like most of the world doesn't see the world that way. Yeah. They see the world, not necessarily that it's a bleak place, but for what it is. Have you seen the original funny games? I actually haven't. It's, I would it's love to. The, the American I, 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 is, a, is pretty much a shot for shot. Yeah. yeah. Remake. Of, yeah. <laughs> Same so director what, yeah. as well. So that's why I didn't necessarily want to go back no. to see it, but I think it's one of those things where, okay, you know where this is going yeah. and you have to sit here this entire way with this film. You didn't exactly know where it was going, but it was foreshadowed so well. And when we talk about the scene where she's in therapy and she actually uh, lays out the scene, if you look at the very first scene of the film, the push in into one of those dollhouses yeah. that tells you everything that you this is the main thing about what's going on here. Yeah, it's This a- is the focus of the film. This, it's, and not to get into spoilers, but the person who stays in this bedroom, that's what everything is about. Yeah, yeah and, and it's I, also yeah. the perfect visual metaphor for what's happening exactly. to this family, which mm-hmm. is that uh, without giving away too much spoilers, the other thing that I think is really um, powerful about it is that the the film is about the weight of the, the, the familial uh, passage, passing on of, you know... Um, uh, baggage, mm-hmm. you know, like, so the, the family is being, you know, a mother is being burdened by the baggage of her grandmother yep. and her children are now being burdened by that baggage yeah. as well. And, you know, to quote Shakespeare, a little bit, you know, heavy is the crown that, exactly. you know, you know, and, and this is, this is a film that literally heavy is the crown that will heavy weigh. is the head that wears the crown. Heavy is the, is that the, is that the phrase? Heavy is the head that wears the crown. I yeah. so. or heavy is the it, crown yeah. that weighs. I don't know. No, it's, <laughs> it's, heavy, it's, a, what <laughs> it's a heavy crown. Yeah. It's a heavy the crown's cr- heavy. The yeah. head's heavy. Yeah. Everything has <laughs> weight. And it goes it. back to the idea of there's no control. You have no control over what's happening. Because yeah. There is so much backstory to why you're this way. Yeah. Whether it's uh, emotionally, psychologically, where there's backstory to why you ended up here. Yeah, without yeah. giving spoilers, there there's a certain like trajectory to this film which you realize there's no way that any of these characters can do anything to get, to avoid that trajectory. Yep. And 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 yet it is exciting at every moment to watch. So something that I loved that I think and again another thing that most moviegoers will hate and I think it's from trailer culture that has sort of trained us to be this sort of way. I'm going to start Can we start what time is it? Can we start doing spoilers? We've been talking for a half hour. <laughs> I think we should get into spoilers. Okay. Do it. So we'll we'll try to go light as we can, but as it we come it. to points we shouldn't censor ourselves. Right, no, censor. I think at this point we should go okay. all in. Right, yeah. cool. So there's a thing that happens in this movie that I was not expecting based on the trailer because in the trailer, the daughter uh, yeah. who is played by... Charlie, played by Millie... Millie, I can't remember. Uh, Sh- Shapiro. Miller Shapiro. Yep. Living your old girl. Yeah. Um, does a phenomenal job. Yep. Uh, the real, the pull of the trailer is uh, she has sort of a, either a nervous tick or just something mm-hmm. where she goes... Yeah. Uh, wait. Side note: Did other people in your theaters just start doing that at random points? No, they in time? did not. I uh, think um, just uh, my theater was so tense and on edge. Right. But we'll get into my theater. My, in a mine point. did, but yeah. then it was that thing where the sound was so good in my theater where I wasn't sure if it was like. And I actually felt myself doing it as well because I was like, oh, yeah, she's making that sound that I used to make when I was a little kid. So I was doing it, but I was doing it very quietly. And then I heard it behind me and I was like, I'm not sure if this is the sound mix or if that's someone in the theater doing it. That literally freaked out the audience in my theater. Everyone, every time they heard it, it was interesting because I had a bunch of yokels doing it and it was funny for a second. Then it was annoying, but like everyone was doing it. But then... When the movie actually did it again, because it was a long time, everyone jumped. I had a very vocal theater. I had a very involved theater. So I had mixed feelings. It was good and bad, but it was like the joke was good for the theater, but then it kept going and beat a dead horse, whatever. Anyway, um, the the daughter who is poised in the trailer Mm -hmm. as sort of the centerpiece of the film dies a gruesome death mm-hmm. around the end of the first act, beginning of second yep. act. Yeah. And then the story just twists and turns and you have no real idea who the main character mm-hmm. might be. And I think in today's trailer culture, it goes against everything I like, but I think people see stuff like that as like, they wanted to see a creepy little kid horror movie. Yep. And now that's not it. Yeah. That's not what I was sold. This is bullshit. <laughs> like I like it when trailers don't, Tell you tell you that like that's what's great to me. That's why again I go back to the biggest bungle in advertising time. Uh, It would have been amazing to see Terminator Two without them advertising that Arnold was the good guy this time Mm. because the movie, the first third of the movie, you have no idea which Terminator is good. But they did the whole advertising thing and whatever. I would love to experience that as being like what? Like that's what happened here. And I think people get whiplash 
when they go in expecting a certain thing, and not only that, they went in expecting a jump scare horror story about a, a scary little girl and came out of that first act into the second act feeling terrible, yeah. dealing with a family that is going through incredible grief mm-hmm. and not a whole lot of scary stuff other than the emotional stuff that's going on in the family members' minds to latch on to for your horror fix. You're just literally reminded of how terrible the world can be, and it's no longer at that point an escape fantasy, and it's and it's and it becomes real because I feel like everybody can can relate one way or the other to loss and tragedy. And that gets you in a different mindset than mindless. I want to watch some ghosts kill some people. And it's just a different, it's a different thing. So I think that might be another reason, but I loved it. I loved that the movie took the swerve. Yeah. Can we just talk briefly about the execution of that scene? It's, it's handled phenomenal. It's handled so phenomenally. Well, every little detail Mm -hmm. is kind of laid out like a game of chair or like a game of dominoes or something Mm -hmm. like that. And then every piece kind of falls into place in a way that is surprising in a way that kind of, Delight is the wrong word, but it kind of like delights you in its execution. Yeah. And then like how cleverly he's kind of laid this all out, even to the point where like there's a there's a there's a shot at a very quick shot uh, as the car is driving down the street. Mm-hmm. The camera pans and it pans over to the telephone pole that they, that yeah. that they're gonna hit, and the telephone pole has something written on it, mm-hmm. and you only see it for the briefest seconds. You're like, what was that? It's yeah. that symbol. And, yeah, and then later on, that's yeah. the tell. And I was like, I wasn't even thinking. Oh my god, that you know when she mm-hmm. hits the telephone pole, it still surprised me. Yeah. Um, everything about the execution of the scene. And then I think the most beautiful thing, and this comes back to that, that wonderful sense of timing, direction, and confidence that this director has is the way in which we absorb and digest what's just happened. Exactly. Like he can't, the film can't bear to look at what's happened mm-hmm. and neither can uh, Alex, yeah. uh, Peter. So yeah. yes. um, he, ba- he basically, the camera just sits on him for like, it feels like forever. Mm-hmm. And he kind of like, he glances slightly up to the rearview mirror, then and just back down it. and yep. he can't do it. And then he, and then, you know, like this is a, it feels like a long sequence. He dry, he drives home, he gets out of the car, goes into bed, lays down, it becomes morning, we hear the voice mm-hmm. of his mother going downstairs, mm. we know what's happening, we know what's, what's yeah. going Even to that point, I was like, wait, did she just get knocked out? I'm sure she's dead, but I didn't really think about decapitation yeah. at that point. And, and then, then was, you just, just really think, think about, about decapitation. Yeah, I was like, I mean, this. I, I thought her face had been crushed or something like that, yeah. and that's what the mother was going to see. Oh, no, I, yeah, yeah. I knew it would happen. I, I was, I was just such a beautiful, it, th- yeah. beautiful execution. Sure. Yeah. I, I took the, I knew decapitation was a thing because decapitation seemed to be a theme even building up to that. Yeah. A couple yeah. birds, a couple things, mm-hmm. putting heads on dolls and da 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 Yeah, yeah. Um, one thing I will say, like in, in terms of that scene, it's uh, what we talk about this film when you're not quite sure what you're watching when you're going in. It very much establishes it as a normal family in a sense. Yeah. You have the older brother. I don't know if you guys have siblings, but I'm the <laughs> oldest brother. And at times you have to invite them along. You have right. to bring them somewhere where you don't want to bring them, but your parents force you to bring them. Yeah. So you take them with you. And then he's going to the party. I think one of the things that's uh, Peter's mind this whole time has been this girl. That's been his yeah. gaze and that's what he's looking at. Yeah. And so now he has an opportunity to see this girl. But he still has his kid sister there. Go eat some cake. Yeah. And then you see as the older brother, the older brother kicking. He has to take care of his sister. She's in need. And so just me being in the oldest, the elder sibling, you instantly go, okay, I have to take care of this person. But then you've also always been a high teenager. Everyone's yeah. been a high teenager. Yeah. And then now you're a high teenager in panic. And so you're trying to get your sister to the hospital. And then you're driving as fast. You're not thinking clearly. And then the worst thing in the world happens. And then just to see his pain and that just the whole audience. Yeah, just really felt for him. Yeah, and I think that's another thing the film did so great was just to build that you related and you cared for this character. You so you felt so bad for Peter. You felt horrible for Charlie, and it was just one of those things where it's like, oh my god, this is just a family. And now you're like, where does this film go from here? And then just the mother scream. Yeah, yeah, that was just and yeah. the way she was like crawled on, yeah. like curled up on the, the floor. floor. The the only thing I was thinking of was like, god damn it, guys. Keep an AP pin in the car. Yeah. You know, yeah, like keep an, yeah. Yeah, keep an AP pin and wherever then, you're going. If your kid is that allergic yeah. to nuts. The script buttered that up pretty well. Because <laughs> yeah. they're like, you nuts are there. We don't have an EpiPen. pen. Okay, yeah. cool. Like, and I was like, all right, movie, I know where this yeah. is going, but I didn't know where exactly yeah, it, was it was going. going. But yep. this kind of relates to that one this this thing that I I think I have, which is that, you know, which, which came out in um in uh, a quiet place as well, which is a quiet place is a film you can kind of like pick holes at pretty quickly. Um the the thing that I really respond to uh, as a film goer is if if I feel I am in confident hands, if I feel I'm in the hands of a filmmaker who knows what they're doing, I will basically, it's 
take me wherever you want to go kind sure, of thing. Yeah. You know, like wherever this ride is going to go, I am on board. And there were moments, there are things in this film that I think are a little inelegant. There are things later on that I think, you know, could be done bitter or, um, but, but I am, I, in no way is that a distraction or in no way is that a, is that a, uh, a detriment to this film. This is where it gets interesting for me. And I will go back to a little bit of haterade uh, yeah, at this point because it. we've been very positive. Yeah. So I feel like I, I'm okay to <laughs> I sort think of we go should back. be positive. If we like a movie. But. I know. And I like the movie. Great. Yeah. But I think the, the way, and I think this might even relate to sort of how audiences, um, how audiences experience it. So the weight and the feeling of the movie, like I loved experiencing this film in the moments I was experiencing it. Mm -hmm. But then when I started trying to go back and piece together, like how the, the, the circumstances did the way they did and how like everything is tied together and there's symbols everywhere and people are orchestrating this horrible thing behind the scenes and blah, 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 blah. And whenever the movie can't actually do a narrative thing you just assume witchcraft that i feel like from a from a logical storytelling progression let me i i my first word i was going to say is lazy and that is not what this is Mm -hmm. but what it is is it's choosing where the the movie itself and the director and the and the script and the screenwriter is choosing where it wants to put the weight of of the of the story it's trying to tell you only have so much room in a film, uh, hypothetically speaking, to to get your message across. And the message that they wanted to get across, I feel like, was more of an emotional one than a procedural, and this is how demon summoning works. Like, mm-hmm. so, to your point, Shahir, I do feel like, because I knew from the moment that the daughter died, mm-hmm. that this movie was about, uh, basically, the emotional journey kind of of loss and, and more more about the the effect of all of these emotions as opposed to the who and what and why and how many people need to get decapitated first yeah. and who was the demon going to possess initially and then that didn't work out. So wait, how did the grandmother know that this thing, like that I did not care about in the moment. <laughs> Reflecting on it, I can see where if you are a dot connector, yeah. this movie does not scratch that itch. Ooh, I, I, interesting. I, yeah, you understand. So I would say I think, and I don't want to put words or thoughts in what you're trying to say. Do it. I think if you were looking at, so there's a scene in this film very early on where um, Peter's in class mm-hmm. and he's learning about mythology. Yes, yeah. and that's the thing that caught my ear. Yeah, and I think if you were looking at this as a piece of mythology, you saw what was happening right away. You should the the story that's being I can't remember the exact myth. But yeah, I, I'll it, use it was Oedipus. A Greek method, yeah. yeah, I'll use Oedipus as the example. It's the idea that you have no control over what's right. happening to you, and I think that's one of the things that's established uh, very on. I think Oedipus, he's this whole thing. He's going to save this woman who actually turns out to be his mother, <laughs> and then he has sex, kills himself. It's crazy, and it's just the gods fucking around with yeah. him. Yeah, and that's the whole thing about it. So I think very early on, uh, looking at that scene where it's setting up, oh, this is about Greek mythology. To the first scene where you push in into Peter's room. Yep. That told me right then and there that this was what this movie was about. It was the fact that this was a piece of mythology and Peter's life was going to be fucked. Interesting. And I, that he had no control over the fact that this was about to happen to him. Yeah. And I, I totally get that yeah. from a, a thing. But also I think it's interesting. I think the parts the parts of mythology that people gravitate towards and that I've always gravitated towards, it sounds like that you gravitate yeah. towards. Are not are also not the same as sort of detect. I don't detective stories is kind of the wrong word, but like piecing together the exact things that made the thing. Like even in that myth. The, the the actual how of how all that is orchestrated mm-hmm. is gods are fucking with them. Yeah, exactly. So if you can latch onto the emotional resonance of what a story is trying to tell you or make you mm-hmm. feel, and to Sheer's point, I can get over yeah. the non-dot connecting. I think a lot of people like to solve Puzzles, puzzles and yeah. i think a lot of like annabelle the yeah, film yeah, annabelle yeah. is like well you can figure out in the film annabelle why the doll is possessed because they tell you in a very sort of procedurally way and like and then this happened and then this happened and then there's a well or whatever the yeah, fuck it is yeah. like and we're used to that again in mm-hmm. sort of american horror film culture whereas here that's not the point yeah. and they don't care they do a lot of work to make you know narratively there is a connection there yeah. is a lot of there's symbols everywhere. There's the different words written. Yeah. Um, it even makes sense from a myth thing because the what was the god Paimon uh, yeah. was the Paimon, was the yeah. eighth the eighth, uh, the eighth? Uh, uh, gods of hell kings uh, of hell kings of hell, kings of hell. Yeah. Um, honestly like it's funny because I I. I 
uh, I feel like I got what was happening. Mm -hmm. Like, I feel like, you know, we understood that, that, uh, Paimon was going to use Millie as a vessel, but then had to use, had to find a boy's body, uh, and, and couldn't, couldn't go in, uh, on, uh, sorry, Charlie's body, uh, the girl, like, so he was, the grandmother was kind of possessing, uh, or, or fusing, you know, she originally wanted to use Peter's body, but couldn't because the, because, uh, Tony Collette's character would keep Peter away from her. So then when Charlie was born, she started that, you know, that's why we mm -hmm. saw that image of, of the mother yeah. of the grandmother breastfeeding mm -hmm. Charlie or something like that. Um, so I, I understand there was like a trans, but I don't but really, even, yeah. I don't really care. Even I when you break that down, yeah. it does start to make less sense. And that's not the important part yeah. of what this is. Like I could make up the rules. I think it is like you sort of just started to, yeah. but the movie never gives you enough information to definitively do that. And I feel like you are doing yourself a disservice as an audience member by trying to uh, basically Columbo the shit out of yeah. why this dem demonic thing is happening. And there's, there's no, I, yeah. I think that's the point of mythology. You're not supposed to know yes. why it happens. It's, again, the gods are just fucking with you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, and this yeah. god is is literally just fucking with everybody. Yeah. I, I mean, mm -hmm. I will say the there are two moments in the film where I was like, I I, I was kind of feeling myself kind of like looking out the window of the train, so to speak. You know, like I wasn't jumping off mm. off the train, but I was kind of looking out the window. You want some fresh air? Yeah. When, oh, I was just I was just like, oh, I think this could be done a different way, or I'm less interested when the film starts doing this. Sure. Not totally not a deal breaker. Gotcha. I'm only bringing it up just to bring up a counterpoint, basically again, hundred percent on board for the film. <laughs> <laughs> um, but, but when, when she starts figuring out the mythology uh, and when she opens up the book of spirituality that a grandmother has left in a box, uh, you know, like up there and it basically, it spells out, okay, this is, you know, Paimon needs a male body. And then, you know, and then she's like running down the stairs trying to explain that we need to burn this diet. Diary, mm -hmm. um, you know, uh, and and I know it'll set me on fire, kind of thing. Whenever when when it got into that stuff, I was kind of just again just not as invested as as I was during the thing. But I was like, but I'm I'm I when post that moment when the film kind of gets quietens down mm -hmm. and then we're just experiencing what's happening. We're not, no one's explaining to us what's happening. Yeah. We're just experiencing it. And that's, that, that's where that incredible, that incredible shot of, uh, of, uh, Peter waking up yeah. and we sort of see in the darkness, there's something okay. there and you, and you just, you, what it's just this wonderful moment in the theater for, for me where you people like start realizing it and someone realizes oh, there's something to see here. And mm -hmm. then another person sees yeah. it and then slowly through the theater, you kind of feel yeah. people seeing it. Um, when you start experiencing the, mm -hmm. the, the, the mythology, that's when I was back on board and that, and that last final act, it is batshit cuckoo bananas, mm -hmm. but, but it does thematically connect to everything we've seen before and and I'm with it. With yeah. one exception. What's that? What's your exception? The exception that does not connect thematically or really make sense in the loose set of rules that the film, and I'm not going to talk about dot connecting, I'm yeah. just talking about like how the witchcraft works in the world. Right. Is the the argument between the the Tony Collette and her husband, um, also did a great job. I should just Gabriel start naming. Yeah, oh, yeah. Oh, so it good. Amazing. Steve. Yeah. Um, the, between, between them and she's like, I need to, we need to burn this book. I can't do it because I'm afraid because she thinks she's going to light on fire based on some other rules that they kind of set up beforehand and that made sense. She yeah. tried to burn it before she caught on fire. She stopped burning it. She stopped burning. Mm -hmm. um, so she wants to sacrifice herself to stop this and save her family. Uh, and uh, th then he almost does it. And then he you know, says you need help, whatever. <laughs> and then she eventually takes it and she's like, no, what I can do it myself and throws it into the fire. And then he lights on fire. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No real reason for that. Other unless than you can, I, I couldn't figure it out. You got, she was possessed. She was fighting back and forth between, uh, Payman, Charlie, and herself. Because she was she was possessed by by Charlie. But at some then point. if and she Charlie, was possessed, why wouldn't she, she just throw it in the fire herself? Because she would have been burnt, and the host would have had no vessel to jump into. But she did it anyway. She eventually took the book and threw it in the fire, because and then, then he burned. Payment took control. control I, I'm yeah. not exactly sure, I, but, uh, but I I don't care. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I know. But, but so yeah. no, my, I see my only point is there was one bit of that was my one bit of confusion because every other thing, at least while I didn't have a clear path between what I did, kind of understand mm -hmm. that. And if you want to get sort of um, real, like. Yeah. The, the, the metatextual meaning of what even the supernatural stuff could represent in this movie, there's a lot of decapitation. Yeah. And and it could, I sort of took it a little bit yeah. as, you need to, quote, lose your mind 
in order to get, cause this demon, this trickster, this this nightmare creature uh-huh. to come into the world. And three different women in 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 the different hierarchies of this fam- familial thing, a grandmother, a mother, yeah. and a thing, all lose their heads. Yep. Yeah. And only when that happens, and only when the two headless bodies of the grandmother and the mother and uh, as the daughter's head on like a pedestal, yeah. can, can Paimon be summoned fully into this male mm-hmm. body. I mean, that's a generational hat trick yeah. uh, that, uh, that's a patient as fuck it's demon. Yeah, but exactly. also think about uh, the bloodline. The mother's bloodline goes down that way, and the father the father isn't directly connected to the grandmother. And so, I understand so, why that's so that, not a, yeah. yeah, but but I'm saying the the, mm. the, uh, the mechanics of why he lit on fire didn't wait, didn't yeah, connect I, with any uh, other moment of mechanics of the film. Can totally see that. I think the thing for me in this scene is that it, well, what follows here again is that amazing shot of the bed. Um, but the, the sequence that we see of uh, Tony Collette's character, um, Annie sawing her own head off mm-hmm. or cutting her yeah. own head Ooh, off with a, a lot, yeah. uh, with a, with a piano wire or uh, something like that with naked people watching her. Yeah. Uh, like that, that was, uh, it's such a powerful image because it's equal parts horrifying and equal parts, um, tragic yeah you know like we're, we're seeing that she is possessed mm-hmm. and she can't stop this thing happening yeah. to her and it's basically taking over her body mm-hmm. and she's about to cap it so this look that she gives to her son as she's cutting her own head off is i just i, I can't i can't can you imagine another film this year that's going to come out that has as powerful an no, image as that yeah, yeah. um i i can't imagine I, I can't i can't think of a single film mm-hmm. in the history of this podcast that has had uh an image that singularly powerful uh and there are many we've done you know there are many great films that yeah. we've done i'm just saying this is such a powerful yeah, image very powerful. Yeah. um it's extraordinary, and and uh, for for that, you know, like there are so many scenes like that in this movie that that function on that sort of emotional and horrific level. Mm-hmm. Um, that you know, I, I, I the the disconnect between audience responses and and critic responses on this does distress me somewhat. You know, like it does make <laughs> me sort of like because because I can understand from the the audience members that don't like the film how we sound right now yeah like we sound like we are gushing over this slow burn movie where not a lot happens yeah but but i i feel i honestly think you know this is a film for the ages kind of thing like like we will be talking about this in the same way that we talk about rosemary's baby not to be uh, arrogant i think we're doing them a service (laughs) i think honestly they'll go back and look at this film with fresh eyes because it's not what they saw in the trailer yeah and if you go back into it with an extra layer of understanding of what you're going into yeah and i think maybe that's a bit of the deception that matt called out early Mm -hmm. on where some people don't like that yeah some people like to kind of be spoon-fed with their watching Mm -hmm. but i think as people learn and go oh that's what it was yeah and then go oh okay i get it yeah yeah, it's, like, oh, I see it now. And I think maybe some people just aren't sharp like that. And I think, they don't get it, yeah. I think also a lot of people uh, don't want to mix their flavors in this way. Like, for instance, if you are, you know, some people go to horror films for the fantastical sort of release of the violence or the or the, or the the terror where they might be trying to get away from mm-hmm. family trauma, exactly. death in the family. And this is literally, oh, oh <laughs> yeah. you're not going anywhere, <laughs> yeah. trauma. Mm-hmm. Like, so it's when you mix flavors like that that might not be what people actually want when they go exactly, to the Exactly, yeah. People, honestly, they may have wanted to go in there seeing Michael Myers. Yeah. yeah. They may have wanted that, and this definitely isn't that. Yeah. So I could that. understand why someone would be upset, because this isn't that. Yeah. yeah. So just, uh, I, I, then I, like, so I, again, all my notes for this are all gushing, and I was like, okay, so let's start thinking about things that are not critical, but I just think are funny to yeah, think yeah, about, definitely. which is that why are old people so obsessed with Satanists? With, with Satan, like like Rosemary's Baby, The Omen, uh, is it this thing with like old people are kind of like coming to the end of their lives and they're like looking for the way out, looking, the escape hatch. you know, looking mm-hmm. for a way out. They're like suddenly realizing God might not exist and they're like, well, you know what? Maybe I should go the other way. Well, it's kind of the same thing with God. A lot of people find God when they're. Everywhere. I think as we all get older, yeah, um, and who knows how uh, the individuals of us will, but I'll say humans, yeah, you start looking for the you break. 
break glass in case of emergency. You're like, well, I don't want to just not exist. So yeah. let's start looking for ways that I can keep existing. Yeah. Um, it's just yeah. that the, there's this, you know, like, I guess it, it is a somewhat of a trope, but in Rosemary's Baby, there is this like apartment full of older, mm. older, you know, retirees who are trying to summon Satan. Yeah. You know, uh, in the Omen, there's a, again, a cadre of older uh, people who believe in Satanism mm-hmm. and, and kind of are using Damien as a, as you know, like realize Damien is the chosen one. And the, there's a, you know, there's a scene in this film where you see these people that have been surrounding yeah. um, Ellen, uh, uh, Ellen, which is the grandmother, mm-hmm. uh, her whole life. And they're all Satanists and they appear in the house naked yeah. and it's creepy and terrifying. But I was just like, why? Oh, people, what is up with you guys? Like, Listen, you get that <laughs> social security check. You yeah, got some time exactly. on your hands. Yeah. It's and gonna, if you're looking for something real, these are your finer days. You're looking for something to grab onto, and the thing you might have been grabbing onto this whole time isn't necessarily working out. Maybe you're grabbing onto pie. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Why not? Yeah. The other thing was I was like, where do these people live? Like yeah. I was just like, like, like out in the middle of nowhere. You know, like, like is that the reason where you know is that where where Satanism breeds? Yeah, a big part of me when Steve drove back Peter home after he like uh, banged his head and said that was like, why are you going to the house? Yeah. Like, what would possess you to go back to the house? Yeah, go somewhere else. I would have left and never. Yeah come back yeah yeah i mean that's most horror movies yeah. too that's fair, like fair. Yeah, that's like you know yeah. there's no reason except this is the set we built and we have to have the story <laughs> yeah, exactly, here exactly yeah uh yeah it's it's a it's a you can you can pick you can you can pick those nits um of course and they're they're silly nits my other one is uh worst dog in the history of uh, cinema dogs yeah you know yeah. like this dog should have known there was a dead body yeah long time ago like in the attic when, when they go up to the attic and there was a dead body i was like you guys didn't smell that, you know, like nobody smelt that body up there for a little while. Like it felt like it had been there for a while as yeah. well. You know, like as soon as they said the, the grave had been desecrated, yeah. I was like, so that's when they put the body up exactly. there. Exactly. Yeah. 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 And then it's, it's, it's again, it, <laughs> I don't want to keep doing it, but I will. Uh, it's like the naked people that just show up they're there for effect. It's like, if you start like trying to figure out like who put the body up yeah. there, yeah. uh, how did these naked people all get all over the place? Mm-hmm. Like did they, you know, it's just like, this it, is why I don't want to live in the country. Like yeah, this no, is so very true. I don't want to live in the country. Yeah. I want to. I want to know if someone's coming at me. Exactly. I want to be able to see them on the street mm-hmm. while coming up the fire escape. Yeah. Uh, well, <laughs> well. I mean, yeah. Not a lot of not a lot of these things are happening in the city, uh, at least from a cinematic perspective. I think yeah. The Exorcist happened in the city. I think I, The Exorcist was in New York. Yeah. Was it in no, New York Rosemary's City? Baby no. was. Rosemary's Baby was yet. Yeah. yeah. Uh, the Exorcist wasn't New York actually. It was uh, I think it might have been Boston or somewhere yeah. like that. But uh, I can't Ooh, remember. Yeah. I don't know. I don't, sorry everybody. On the podcast, you might be able to be hearing my familiar Zoe just meowing <laughs> all over the damn place. She has lots of things to say about this movie, so I apologize for the for the for the meowing. Um, you want to get into sort of final thoughts? How we how yeah. we're doing this? Do you uh, want? I'll go first just to wrap it up. Do because you guys can take a wheel. Mm-hmm. I, I also uh, there was just a slight thing where it uh, the desi- the production design of this house built around these like spaces that feel like they were built by the mother. You know, this film was actually all built on a set. Mm-hmm. Um, and and again, that's just this extraordinary... The, the thing I give credit to here is the producers of the film, like really having faith in the director in, in so much as I don't feel like any corners were cut in yeah. this movie. Like, I, I don't feel like, I don't feel like we got the cheap version of this movie. Mm-hmm. I feel like we got the version that was written. Everyone had faith in it. And they're yep. like, we got to build a set. We got to build yeah. it. So, and cause, cause I actually even felt the sets were it, sort of absurdly large. Like I thought all the rooms were kind of absurdly big and they were kind of, they felt like they were designed to accommodate cameras yeah. and to be able to do wide angles. Perhaps like a dollhouse. Mm-hmm. Perhaps like a dollhouse. Exactly, yeah. yeah. Um, but, but, but it all kind of thematically worked. And so I just, I just, the, the entire, you know, the, the sense that everyone believed in this project, even though it came from a first time filmmaker, mm-hmm. I just think is extraordinary. Um, I, I love the thematic resonance of the idea of depression, guilt, um, you know, the harboring, the repressed feelings kind of manifesting themselves, not in an abstract way, like, so for example, a film like Mother does, but in a real concrete Ooh. way, mm-hmm. um, you know, into this, into this sort of occult story. And it, and it entirely ties together. This is a beautifully written screenplay. And I think anyone who read the screenplay probably felt how tightly constructed this thing was. And and that's probably why Tony Collette signed on first. Yeah, um, you know, like she she would have just written and gone. You know, if this film can be probably 
10% of what the screenplay is, then I think we've got a good film on our hands. Mm-hmm. And yeah. I think I think it probably exceeded that. Um, so I'm really excited by this film. I'm really excited by this filmmaker. I think you should absolutely go and watch uh, his short films. Uh, he's making another uh, um, horror film with A24 after this. Uh, uh, he says based on Scandinavian folk mythology or something along those lines. But uh, it's funny watching his shorts as well. He has got a, like a pretty base level sense of humor, like mm-hmm. a lot of dick jokes um, in, in, in all of his shorts. Um, <laughs> dick jokes in his shorts. There you go. Um, oh, that but, works on a lot of levels. Yeah, yeah. Um, so I'm, I'm, I'm interested to see like the, the, the variety of genres this filmmaker might tackle. Um, yeah. I'm very excited at this point. Such a strong debut. Reminds me a lot of the debut of The Witch, um, you know, also by A24. So we got to give hands to A24. You know, also it comes at night, you know. Um, uh, we got to give props to A24 for believing in filmmakers and the stories that they want to tell. Yeah. I'm so excited about yeah. this movie. I'll, I'll go second, and then, Stephen, mm-hmm. you can you can take us home. Uh, Tony Collette needs an Oscar nom for this. Yep. I think this would be a wonderful, uh, not only a deserved, but a, an overture to get the Oscars to sort of like start seeing genre films a little more seriously because this movie takes a genre type thing and takes it seriously. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's a phenomenal performance. One of the best I've seen this year. Um, I think this is uh, my favorite horror movie that I can remember that I have ever felt. And that I now I say felt as in that's an important de- determination from watched. Um, this movie resonates with you on an emotional level that that I can't think of another horror film that actually does. In fact, if you do have one that resonates for you, write us in at onlymoviepodcast at gmail.com. But for <laughs> me, this was the most the most feels I have ever felt at a horror movie that mm-hmm. also delivered on all of the things I wanted it to horror-wise. Uh, that having been said. I do think that um, I like if if we're going full like mythology, uh, you know, uh, analogy sort of type thing, a film like Mother. Uh, did you see Mother? I Steven? haven't seen it. You would love. I think you'd yeah, love Mother. Yeah, and and Mother is a film that people either love or hate. Gotcha. There's no one walked out of Mother being like it was okay. It yeah. got a like, cinema score of if. Wow. Yeah, it got like the lowest cinema score you yeah. could get. Yeah. Um, but it does. If you like this sort of the mythology look and, and a tale that is pure, almost allegory. It's the most allegorical film I've ever seen. Okay, Mother. Gotcha. So like the, this movie. Uh, the, and this is only the only minor fault I'll sort of give yeah. it is um, it, it because of its pedigree that we are all used to. And this yeah. really isn't the film's fault. Yeah. You can you can uh, fault your own experience if you wanted a certain thing that was a little more connect the dotsy to figuring out why the horror is happening as opposed to an emotional, crazy ride. Gotcha. Um, so I, I think, um, yeah, I just think if you look, if you have family trauma and demonic possession, you you and you've done it right. You have my vote. So that, I would also <laughs> say uh, go go see that and uh you know hail paimon <laughs> i'll piggyback off something uh shahir said and something you kind of touched on i think this movie was very much a trojan horse for mental health awareness yeah i yes. think the one scene where we got all the information was the one scene where tony collette was at therapy or mm-hmm. at um this um grief session mm-hmm. where she actually laid out on the table everything that was wrong with her yeah mm-hmm. and i think throughout the film it's never touched on Steve the husband he's super stoic he never relates his feelings there's no communication between he and Tony Collette's character which is another interesting thing because at a certain point in the end of the movie he believes she's the one who put all the bodies in the thing yeah. but actually had she told him she was actually going to therapy and grief or talking about the grief with her there would have been some connection no one actually ever talks to Alex about what happened yeah, yeah. And then, yeah. except for the blow up scene at the table. Yeah, you never extraordinary see, scene. You by never the way. see mm-hmm. Alex is self medicating. He's smoking uh, weed again, yeah. Yeah. and then he goes into uh, I think it's called prophylactic shock. Where you yeah. actually feel, oh, this should have been happening to me. The stress thing. So he goes into that. Yeah, and uh, the lack of communication in their kids. So you can't necessarily blame them, but two sure. two siblings. Yeah, where the fact where the mother was like, she didn't want to go to the party, and why don't you want to go to the party? Because I feel awkward around my brother's older friends. Yeah, yeah. and diff- and he didn't want to say no to his mother. And there was some tension already because remember she slept walk. Yeah, and yeah. They, they, they oh never gosh. addressed that. They yeah. never addressed why she was sleepwalking <laughs> and why she wanted to get rid of him because I think secretly she knew this all was going to happen yeah. because she was very yeah. aware of what her mother was doing. But the fact that no one talked about it or addressed these issues that were living there, that's the hereditary part of it because people hold on to grief and to these uh, emotional traumas and they never learn to express them or to let go of them. Yeah. And as a result, they pay for it and they affect generations and generations moving forward. It's, it's shit. That's it's, good. It's an extraordinary. That was a video. good. I'm, that's a good final <laughs> yeah. thought, my friend. I'm guessing you're Thank saying you. go see the movie. Yeah, go see the movie and uh, seek help. 
So the therapist. <laughs> hey, everyone needs it. Zoe, yeah. what do you think? Oh, good. So you, they should see it? Maybe? You just going to sniff the mic? No, you did it once. You did it so good. Get out of here. Uh, we can ta- we'll take what we can get, Zoe. Yeah, appreciate, yeah exactly. appreciate the input. I think she would enjoy it uh, on a repeat viewing. Sure. I, I, I will definitely buy this film. Uh, Ooh, I, don't, uh, nice. I don't know if I could get my wife to watch it, but because but not because it's bad, but because it's so traumatic. Yeah. You know that's what, what I mean? Really and I think, it. and I think she'd want to want to escape. I don't know. Maybe, she, maybe she would enjoy it. I, I'm not too sure. Well, one way or the other, this has been the only podcast about the film hereditary. <laughs> Steven, Thank you so much for coming. for coming. Thank back. you guys for having me. And lending awesome. your incredibly intuitive uh, <laughs> non, I'm putting air quotes up right now, non-movie yeah, person. Non-movie okay, yeah, Steve. Yeah. Uh, uh, you know, opinions on, on the table and, and, and sharing them with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. This was great. When you are not dropping knowledge bombs about the actual inner meanings of <laughs> films around demonic witchcraft, where can folks find you? Oh, you guys can find me on Instagram and Twitter at Stephen Wobbert. So Stephen with a V, last name Roberts, but switch out the R for a W. Stephen Wobbits. Wobbits. Like sort of like Elmer what Fudd. Bugs Bunny or yeah, Elmer like Fudd Elmer Fudd was yeah. speaking. Nice. Stephen Wobbits. Yeah. <laughs> Wabbit season. And Shahir, when you are not uh, pledging your hard-earned American doll hairs to buy pieces of plastic that give you digital films on zeros and ones once they get released outside of the theater and into home distribution, where can folks find you? You can find me browsing the catalog at Barnes & Noble, hiding out there in the Criterion Collection uh, at ShahirDowd.com. That's www.shahirdaud.com. Com, which has all my life and works, Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, all that good stuff there. Matt, when you are not summoning the demon uh, Paymon and pledging your allegiance to uh, him, I believe it's a him, where can people find you? Uh, I don't think I'm ever anywhere else. <laughs> but but if on the off chance, uh, you can find me at M-A-T-T-H-E-W-K-R-O-L.com for my life and works. Also Skeletor, the number four P-R-E-Z on Instagram or Emperor M-S-K on Twitter. Also, you can find me on Extra Credits, being the new narrator and showrunner of that. We just released a wonderful series about games you might not have tried, where we talk about things that are basically video games that might have slipped under the radar that are not great, but they do one thing very interesting. And I think, uh, or, or multiple things sometimes. So there's definitely some, uh, if you're looking for something off the beaten path in your gaming world, please check that out at Extra Credits on YouTube. And uh, yeah, th- I-, I had a blast talking yeah, this about this awesome. movie. Steven, please come back. We'll do, uh, we'll do. I gotta watch so- another movie. Sooner than, yeah, yeah. 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 Let's, let's, get, <laughs> your, let's yeah. get your schedule yeah, on. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Watch some more movies, yeah. Uh, and yeah, we will, uh, we will, we will, you will hear us. I always, I always love saying, we'll see you next week. No, we won't. We never see you. But <laughs> I'm we- waiting for that moment when we go somewhere and someone recognizes us by our voice alone. That will like never happen. Like we're at a restaurant <laughs> And they're like, excuse me, are you guys when, the only podcast about movies? You know, go, when we no. <laughs> when we always go dine with each other by ourselves. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. Uh, that won't happen. Anyway, hopefully you'll run into us in Queens. <laughs> Say hi. And we'll 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 talk at you next week. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.